big, big news broke uh, right before I went live, and it is very, very important. Um, Ty and I and Jen were the only, the only national reporters in Flint, Michigan on April 25th and the final week of April for the five-year anniversary of the Flint water crisis. Let that sink in. It's been five years, five years since an American city was poisoned and five years since that American city is still drinking contaminated water. And there was not anyone, nobody from NBC was there, nobody from CNN was there. I think there was one photographer from the New York Times, nobody. Nobody, nobody, nobody. And by the way, as Bernie Sanders has shown you going down to Denmark, South Carolina, Jen just did a report on that we're going to post tomorrow. As, uh, as he showed you, there's a lot of other flints with water contamination for many, many years that never got any attention. So for those of you who are new to status quo, one thing we like to do here is cover the stories the corporate media ignores and covers up. So between the Young Turks and now status quo, I've been to Flint. 14 times. Ty has been to Flint, I believe, 10 or 11 times. Jen has now been to Flint three or four times. The reason we keep going back is not for glamour or to make a name for ourselves. The reason we keep going back is I personally cannot think of a bigger and more important story than an American city, particularly of poor working people, many of majority of whom are minorities, that nothing they did, through nothing they did, were poisoned in beginning in April 2014. And in a normal civilized society, so you look at um, New Zealand, who had a mass shooting, ban the guns within two weeks, three weeks, they banned assault weapons. In a normal society, if there was a hum uh, crisis caused by the government, you'd have the National Guard in there, you'd have the Army Corps in there, you'd have an emergency disaster declaration. And the pipes would be out, the people would have full Medicare for life, and it would no longer be a problem. But we don't live in a normal country because we don't live in a country, we live in the United Corporations of America. And remember to press that like button right under there, the thumbs up. If you're watching on your mobile phone, you have to X out of the live chat, click the thumbs up, and then you can get back in the live chat. So basically, Nothing was done for the people of Flint under Republican Governor Rick Snyder. Governor Rick Snyder was the Republican governor. He was the one who appointed unelected emergency managers to run Flint. And those unelected emergency managers decided, oh, let's switch from Detroit, let's switch the city of Flint from the Detroit water system to the Flint River. And oh, us environmental officials, we're not going to add the proper chemicals to the water supply that by law we have to add because we want to save money. So we're not going to add corrosion control treatment into the water. And as a result, the lead leached off. So if you want to give Governor Snyder and his allies and his advisors the benefit of the doubt that they didn't intend to do this, okay, well, the response or therefore all the lack of response has been intentional. I, the last time we were in Flint, as I'm about to show you, it is a crisis and a catastrophe of epic proportions. If you need a reminder, before I get to the news, here is what Ty put together, a montage from our five-year anniversary coverage, which you paid for and you funded us to be there.
August of 2015, before McLaren and the state decided that it was a Legionnaire's bacteria. My son had gotten really sick, and he was on life support. They tested him for everything, and they said it wasn't anything, but he was spitting out his insides, and to touch his mouth, blood was just gushing out. They said they, it looked like it was Legionnaire's disease. Contribute to my mom. She just died in January from kidney failure and a whole bunch of things wrong with her. It's like Russian roulette. You never know if you're going to get Legionnaires when you touch that water, take a shower. You, you just don't know. And, um, you know, we just want people to know not to drink that water. That water is still not safe to drink. Still. I mean, this is happening today. It's not over. It's never been over. Whoever said it's over is a lie. It is a flat-out lie. It's still continuing. Five years and counting. This place ain't safe. It's not safe at all. We got a pistol in our mouth every day. It's called tap water. So I wanted to set it up. If you didn't know what was still going on in Flint, that was a month ago. That was one month ago. And why this is important, it doesn't really matter if you live in Flint. It doesn't really matter if you at all have water problems in your community. The whole point of continuing to cover Flint is A, what kind of country do we live in? Do we live in a country where if uh, through nothing you did wrong, you are poisoned, you are harmed by your government who was trying to privatize the water system? Because remember, that's why the Flint water crisis happened in the first place. They were temporarily using the Flint River because they were building a privatized water pipeline that was not necessary. And oops, we poisoned the poor people there. Oops, we poisoned the majority black community and then they've left them to fend for themselves. So why this is super important is it could happen and it most likely will happen in a community near you if the people who caused this to the people of Flint are not held accountable. Because what exactly happens in a country if people 
whether it's the government, whether it's the corporations, whoever it is that caused the problem, get away with it. It gives a playbook to other governors, to other senators, to other congresspeople, to other city council officials to say, well, they got away with it in Flint, so let's do it here. That's what happens. So status coup last year, for those of you who follow us, and remember, press the like button right there and press the share button. Status coup did something very radical. We, because I, we've built up sources, Jen and I knocked on almost 500 doors in Flint. And what we found out was Governor Snyder, his environmental officials were cooking and cheating. They were cooking the data in Flint. They were cheating on the water testing by going into residents' homes and flushing their water, meaning running their water lines right before taking samples in dozens of homes. And those homes were the homes that were used for the official state testing program. And these were the homes that the governor of Michigan used, the very homes that they cheated on the water testing to get false lower numbers. These were the homes that Governor Rick Snyder used to declare Flint's water restored. And this story written by Jen, you got Alyssa Milano who called this out. You have Susan Sarandon who reacted to our report and called it out. You had Congressman Ro Khanna calling for an investigation. You had Congresswoman and presidential candidate Tulsi Gabbard calling for an investigation. Since, we, since then, we've had Congressman Dan Kildee, who represents Flint, who has called for an investigation. So all of this, all of this, the corporate media buried this story that Jen and I broke. The corporate media, Newsweek, was about to do the story, and they killed it the day before, which I digress. I don't want to get into. So we met in February. This was under... Republican Governor Rick Snyder, when we broke this story. In February, we met with the new Attorney General, uh, Dana Nessel. We didn't meet with her, but we met with officials from her office, including the Solicitor General of Michigan, who is now in charge of the Flint water investigation. The whole thing. And by the way, we broke this story because you funded us to go to Flint. Jen and I didn't have the money. We hadn't even launched status coup yet. And we didn't stop after we broke the story. We kept pushing. We kept trying to get lawmakers on the record. I pushed and I pushed until the attorney general's office would meet with me. And today, today, I want to tell you, I have no idea if why they are, if why the attorney general has seized the governor of Michigan, Rick Snyder's phones, his iPad, his hard drive. I have no idea if it's connected to the story we broke. But what I do know is I met with Ty, we met with the AG's office in February, and it has just come out that former Governor Rick Snyder's phones, iPad, and computer hard drive has been seized uh, via search warrants by the new Attorney General's office. Authorities investigating Flint's water crisis have used search warrants to seize from storage the state-owned mobile devices of former Governor Rick Snyder and 65 other current or formal officials, the Associated Press has learned. The warrants were sought two weeks ago by the Attorney General's office and signed by a Flint judge, according to documents the Associated Press obtained through public records requests. Solicitor General Fadwa Hamoud, who is who... That is who I and Ty met with uh, in February. And Wayne County Prosecutor Kim Worthy 
who is helping with the, with the probe, confirmed they executed a series of search warrants related to the criminal investigation of Flint's lead-contaminated water in, 20, in 2014 and 15 and an outbreak of Legionnaire's disease. They declined further comment. One warrant, signed May 19th, lists all content from Snyder's cell phone, iPad, and computer hard drive. Similar information was sought from the device of 33 employees who worked in his office, 11 in the Department of Environmental Quality, and 22 in the Department of Health and Human Services. The evidence was apparently initially obtained by former special, by former special prosecutor Todd Flood with investigative subpoenas. Because it has been kept in a division of the Attorney General's office, Hamoud took the unusual step of securing a warrant to search another part of the office. She has been managing the probe since January. We're doing everything we can to comply, said Dan Olson, a spokesman for Attorney General Dana Nessel, who is not involved in the criminal investigation as, and, is, and is instead handling lawsuits against the state by residents. A similar warrant was issued to the, to the Department of Technology, Management, and Budget. Quote, the department is complying with the warrant. We cannot discuss the details further because, because it is part of pending litigation. The warrants seek data from the devices of individuals who have been charged in the probe, but also uncharged officials such as Snyder, former Environmental Quality Director Dan Wyant, and various people who worked in Snyder's office, including Lieutenant Governor Dan Cat Brian Kelly, top aide Richard Baird, and chief of staff Dick Posthumus. Ooh, imagine having that name your whole life. Lawyers who have represented Snyder and his office could not immediately be reached for comment on Monday. The warrants came after Hamoud this year reported that boxes of records were discovered in the basement of a state building, including phone extractions and a trove of other materials stored on hard drives that allegedly had not been turned over in response to the subpoenas. She sought long breaks in the criminal cases to look at the boxes and any other evidence, but judges declined to suspend the case for six months. Folks, this is a major, major, major story. And you're not going to see it covered on CNN or on MSNBC. About April uh, 2016, I believe I have the month right, uh, I developed a source in Flint who... I can't get into so many details, but was uh, was attached to the water crisis investigation. This source told me that all of the prosecutors from the state, meaning all of the prosecutors that were involved in the criminal case that were charging uh, state officials, uh, 15 officials have been tied so far, uh, uh, 15 officials have been charged related to the Flint water crisis, all of them told me. Every single prosecutor on that team thought that they had enough, enough evidence to charge then-Governor Rick Snyder with a crime. Everyone differed on which crime they could charge him with. Some thought manslaughter. Some thought criminal negligence. But all of them felt there was enough evidence to charge him with something. This similar, like when you think of the Russia investigation, you know, Special, uh, Robert Mueller was a special prosecutor. So technically, he was supposed to be separate from the attorney general's office. And the attorney general's office was not supposed to be influencing Robert Mueller's investigation. So when you think about that dynamic, that was what it was supposed to be in Flint. The attorney general of Michigan at the time was Republican uh, Bill Schuette. He was a Republican 
who was also running for governor last year. So the, there was a special prosecutor in the Flint water uh, crisis case with a team of other prosecutors with him, very similar to Robert Mueller's investigation, and they were supposed to be separate from the attorney general's office, and they were supposed to be able to charge as they saw fit without having to get the permission from the attorney general. I am told, and I was told then, that all of the prosecutors on that case thought they had enough evidence to charge Governor Snyder. But the then attorney general, Rick uh, Bill Schutte, who was also running for governor as a Republican, would not allow them to charge Rick Snyder, which kind of makes sense if you're a corrupt, scummy, beep, trying not to demonetize myself. The attorney general is Republican. He was running for governor. If he, if he allowed charges to go forward against Rick Snyder, you think he would get any, you think he would get any campaign money from corporations and Snyder's uh, foundation, the foundations that give money to Snyder, the oil companies that give money to Snyder, the banks that gave money to Snyder, all of the corporate usual suspects who give money to Snyder? Hell no. So although they felt they had enough evidence, Rick Snyder was never charged. Well, as I say nationally, I call I take on the Democratic Party as much as the Republican Party. However, if the Democratic Party does something that deserves credit, or if Democratic officials do something that deserves credit, I will give it to them, and so should you. So this is a case, at least on a state level, of when the Republican governor is gone, and when the Republican um, attorney general is gone, and there is a Democratic governor, Gretchen Whitmer, and a Democratic attorney general, uh, Dana Nessel, this is an example of when voting Democrat actually could make a difference. I don't think it's a one-size-fits-all. I'm not a vote blue no matter who. But in the case of Michigan, this was the reason that they are seizing Rick Snyder's cell phone, his iPad, his computer hard drives. Let that sink in. That's a major beeping deal. The fact that they, I mean, search warrants, seizing his phones, his iPad, his hard drive, they are not, let me, let me make something very clear to you. The Attorney General of Michigan and her team is not seizing the former governor's phone, iPad, and computer hard drive if they don't have concrete reason to, if they're not looking specifically for something. You don't take that step unless you have some type of concrete evidence that there is a that there is a po possible crime to charge former governor Rick Snyder with. You just don't go to that length. It's a very risky move, and if you don't if you don't have anything substantial, then it could really basically uh, have huge setbacks both politically and legally to do that. So why this is so important? Why this is so important? You know. In America, we have pretty much three different legal systems. We have a legal system for rich white people. Sometimes wealthy black people are in there, but usually it's just rich white people. The second legal system is one for like working class, lower class uh, white people. And uh, the third legal system is for black people, brown people, Native Americans. So there really is three legal systems. And in that first legal system, I mean, one in 10 times does somebody in our government, 
in corporate America, at the foundation level, who is corrupt, who does wrong, who breaks the law, who poisons people, who harms people, who screws people. When do you ever hear the case of those people being held accountable? You don't. And when they are held accountable, it's a six-month jail sentence. Uh, you get out for good behavior after three months, and that's all she wrote. This is why I have stayed on the Flint water crisis, because it's not just about the people of Flint. It's not just about the water. It's about if you don't hold government officials accountable, if there's no ramifications, if there's no criminal penalty for not only poisoning people, but then leaving them to die after. Why wouldn't every government official do it to save a buck? We know most of our government officials are complete sociopaths. I want to play a clip for you of just one of the potential victims of Governor Rick Snyder and his state officials cheating on the water testing, which is a story status quo broke because you funded us, either as a member or in GoFundMe or however you funded us. And, and re remember, no one else. They, you think CNN was knocking on 450 doors last summer and fall? Status quo was. Frankly, you think the Young Turks was doing it? No. We do it because we're not here for clicks. We're not here to be a multi-billion dollar corporate conglomerate. We don't have any corporate uh, investors, corporate donors. We don't have any of that. We're doing it because we want to expose corruption and injustice that are strangling and destroying the lives of average people. So there was a young woman in Flint. She's 36. Her name was Amanda Janes. Never had a health problem in her life before the Flint water uh, crisis before the water was switched. One day, an, an official for the Department of Environmental Quality in Michigan knocked on her door and said, I'm here to test your water. They went in, they ran her water, meaning they, they let her water run for about a minute or two, and then they put the sample bottle in and collected the sample, which is a crime. It's, it's, it's violating the federal EPA's lead and copper rule which says you have to turn the water on and take the sample right away because if you let the water run, even for 30 seconds, you're potentially just flushing out high, high levels of lead. So the guy takes the water sample the wrong way. Amanda gets in the mail, paperwork that says no lead in your home. She's told when you test your water because she was on the official, um, she is on the official state program that the state was going to use to wave to the EPA and say, hey, we, we did the testing. We, we cooked the numbers, but we, we did it. And now Flint's at normal levels so we could call crisis over. When she tested the water, she did it the way the state official did it. He told her, yeah, let the water run. Results were the same, no lead. So because she got results saying no lead, she went back to drinking the water without a filter because not every home, a lot of homes have, have uh, taps where a filter won't fit over the tap. Well, if the government or state officials came into your home and they tested it and they told you, no problem, you, how would you know they're testing it the wrong way? Well, I'm not a doctor, so I can't draw cause and effect, but I can tell you she never had a health problem before the Flint water crisis. All of a sudden, uh, in 2016, she starts getting uh, spots on her kidney. Then she starts getting 
um, uh, nodes on her, uh, spots on her thyroid. She has heart palpitations, extreme fatigue, could barely function. She was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. Now it's spread to her lymph nodes and she has lymphoma. I just spoke with her before we went live. She told me that they can't, they can't take out the cancer uh, in her other lymph. They, they took out uh, the cancer on this side, but they can't take out this. They can't do surgery to take it out. They have to shrink it first. As far as she knows, at best, she might have five years left on this planet. I want to play you a clip so you see the damage that has been done here. Very painful for me. And it's upsetting to me because I'm used to taking care of her, you know. My son just asked me today, can you give me a ride? And like, no, I'm just too tired. I mm -hmm. can't, you know. And I picked her up early from school today because I'm like, I'm just going to be too tired later to do it. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's just, you know, and... We can't go to the bottled water places, so we just buy our own, even though we have a filter. Well, but if there's, if bottled, there's water. bottled water left, too. My dad was watching the news, and he's like, look, there's one down the street. I'm like, yeah, but by the time I get in my car, I feel like going. What's the point? Yeah, it runs out. Or, I mean, we were here last year. There was like three, four-hour lines. Yeah. To get. Just to get water. Yeah. It's sad. But, I mean, we can afford to three four dollars a case you know mm -hmm. two cases like four dollars right but still it's we had enough filters after my neighbor moved out she gave me all our filters so we had enough mm -hmm. to last us a long time and what about um your mental health i mean mm -hmm. you're you're cold up in the house all the time you're no. young you're 36 no can't go out because you know germs so i can't do nothing fun with her like, just before I was diagnosed with more cancer, I finally got out of the house and took her to that jump place on Miller Road. But, no, I've been inside all winter. I haven't went outside. I haven't to grocery shop. Thank God Walmart's got that thing where they just come out to your car and just put it in there. Mm. Like, I'd rather just be in the store getting my kids their food and my husband his things. But, no, I'll just use the Walmart app and have them bring it out to my car. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm like they look at me and it's like you're young. Why aren't you inside shopping? You know, it's like I wish I could be inside shopping. Right. You know. Um, what do the doctors say? I mean, do they talk about the water as a source of? <gasps> I told them they asked. They always ask me where I live. Like what? That was Amanda, who, like I said, never had a problem before the Flint water crisis. I. I, can't get, I cannot get into any details, but there's another story we're working on uh, related to Flint that, frankly, uh, I don't want to minimize what we found as far as the water testing uh, being cooked and cheated. Uh, but this other story that we're looking into is quite possibly like one of the most sinister, corrupt things I've ever found out in my career. And I've been doing this. In an, in, in an investigative capacity for about six, seven years. Um, I can't get into any details because it would not be safe to do so, but let's just say if what we think we've uncovered is true, uh, you're talking about a, a much, much darker, sinister thing related to this water crisis. Um, but bottom line, uh, we'll see what happens. The fact that the Attorney General of Michigan is has seized 
the former governor's um, phone, his iPod, his hard drive is a major, major thing. Uh, I want to also read a comment I got from a Flint activist before I went live. Uh, her name is Melissa Mays. She's been one of the leading activists uh, on the ground there. She's been quoted throughout the media. Uh, she has a lot of health problems. Her, kid ha her kids have a lot of health problems related to the water crisis. Uh, she told me in response to uh, the attorney general seizing Snyder's phones and, and iPad and hard drive, after years of the previous administration seemingly not allowing the investigation to move forward up the chain of command, this is a welcome piece of news. Once Schutte, the former attorney general, was out of office, we were hoping the prosecution would finally be allowed to investigate the governor and his office. My hope is that they find the evidence to support what we in Flint already know in our hearts, that there was a cover-up that goes all the way to the top and innocent people have suffered and died as a result. My hope is that the guilty will be held accountable and we in Flint will finally get the answers we demand so we could maybe take steps towards an actual recovery, especially for those who have lost their loved ones. Flint residents and the entire country at this time need to know and see that no one is above the law and that our lives actually do matter. And I think this statement is so super important. I spoke with uh, Bernie Sanders' campaign manager about a lot of things. We talked about the polling being kind of wacky. Uh, we talked about the corporate media attacks against Bernie Sanders. We talked about um, Joe Biden and how he's being painted as, quote, the most electable based on nothing. We talked about uh, just a whole lot of things. So I look forward. Uh, we talked on the phone, so it's not a video but I'm going to do a, a written story so you could hear what he said. I think his campaign manager is really sharp. I like his strategy, and I liked a lot of the things he had to say. So the first thing I asked him about was the fact uh, Jen did a good story, or Jen Dyes did a good story. If you haven't seen it, definitely check it out at statuscoup.com. And that story is, why is CNN not disclosing that its parent company, AT&T, gave $51,000 to Kamala Harris's campaign? And as you could see, this was uh, written and uh, we posted it last week. A combination of AT&T's employees, AT&T's corporate PAC, owners of AT&T, and family members of AT&T employees donated $50,806 to Senator Kamala Harris's presidential campaign thus far in 2019. So that's just for the first three months of this month. CNN's parent company, the fact that Kamala Harris... CNN's parent company, AT&T, yes, it's individuals who work for AT&T, but also it was AT&T's AT corporate PAC. So AT&T's corporate PAC, mixed with employees who work at AT&T, gave Kamala Harris almost $51,000 just the beginning of this year. That comes, okay, so that's AT&T. That comes after CNN's former parent company, which full disclosure, my younger brother works for, uh, Time uh, Warner Media. It used to be called Time Warner. Now it's Warner Media. That comes after Warner Media gave $127,000 to Kamala Harris's Senate campaign in 2016. You with me? CNN's last parent company, Warner Media, work individuals working for them gave Kamala Harris $127,000 to her Senate campaign. Now CNN's current parent company, AT&T, has given her. 50, almost $51,000 for the first three months. 
are we to think that just like all those mid-level, lower-level worker bees at AT&T just love Kamala Harris? They're just amazed by the for the people shtick? Is that really what you want me to believe? Or maybe AT&T, which now owns CNN, thinks they're going to get something out of Kamala Harris, the former attorney general of California, who put single mothers in jail for truancy, who locked up a whole lot of black people, who put a lot of people away that well, uh, people say today are innocent, but she doesn't have any regrets. Thank you, HD Spider-Man 56, 10 bucks in the super check. You wrote, keep up the great work. Your interview with Donna Brazil was great and unintentional comedy when you make that funny facial expression when asking, why should we trust this? You know, honestly, that facial expression was just exhaustion at that point. Like, it's like talking to a corrupt wall. Ah, what, what, what did she keep saying? She was like, um, what is the phrase she kept saying? I don't know. She kept saying like the same word over and over and over again. Um, and it was just exhausting. So I turned to Emma at the time. I was like, Jesus Christ, will this end? Uh, but yes, and I would love to have another Donna Brazil moment with a different corrupt Democratic official on the 2020 campaign trail. But you got to help us get out there. Become a member, statuscoo.com slash join. Become a member. Get me out on the campaign trail. Get Marcus and Ty out on the campaign trail. Help us get out there. Why? How can CNN, who, by the way, its parent company gave Kamala Harris... $51,000, almost $51,000 in the first three months of this year. How could they do segments and lovely written stories? And remember, 24 hours after she announced as a candidate, they gave her a, basically a pillow party. It was, it was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen that town hall. I mean, the, the questions were just softball after softball after softball. It was, a, it was revolting. How can that be with no disclosure? So I asked uh, Bernie's campaign manager, do you guys have a problem that these same corporate media outlets that are basically, you got Politico doing stories calling Bernie Sanders a cheap Jew. You got the New York Times doing a story suggesting that Bernie Sanders is essentially a communist sympathizer. You got the Washington Post, Post allowing columnist Jennifer Rubin to basically write 16 negative stories about Bernie Sanders herself a week. I mean, it just doesn't stop. So do you have a problem with the lack of disclosure? And surprisingly, well, not surprisingly, but I'm happy he told me, he does. He said, this is Faiz Shakur, Shakir talking to me earlier. You're exactly right. Obviously, we know the senator's strength. Oh, no, that's not the one I want. He said, those kinds of disclosures are really important to make. Structurally, it is important for people to understand and know how their media is funded what they decide to cover, and why they may have certain biases about what they're covering. So again, that's Faiz Shakir, Bernie Sanders campaign manager, uh, during an interview uh, we spoke earlier today. So what he's talking about there is, yeah, if I'm watching CNN, or I'm reading Politico, or the Washington Post, yeah, maybe I want to know if I'm reading the Washington Post that the owner of the Washington Post, Amazon and Jeff Bezos, has is basically hates Bernie Sanders because Bernie Sanders committed the crime of calling him out for not paying his workers a living wage. Maybe I want to know that Amazon uh, would bet benefits uh, that pay Bernie Sanders has called out Amazon, Washington Post's parent company for not paying any federal taxes for its terrible working conditions. Maybe I, as the reader of the Washington Post, might want to know that has something to do with the Washington Post. 
So I know, okay, I'm reading their negative after negative after negative. At least I know. Maybe it has something to do with who's signing the paychecks. Maybe if I'm watching CNN, I deserve to know, if you're doing a segment on Kamala Harris, that the people that are signing your checks, Anderson Cooper, your checks, Don Lemon, your checks, Wolf, Wolf Dinosaur Blitzer. Thank you, Jen. Uh, I apologize. Fez Shakir. Fez Shakir. It's spelled F-A-I-Z, uh, but I was mispronouncing it. Thanks, Jen. Fez Shakir. Um, maybe I want to know. Maybe I want to know that all this lovey-dovey coverage of Kamala Harris, well, the parent company signing all these anchors at CNN uh, checks is giving lots of money to Kamala Harris. And I'm sure when Joe Biden's financial information is shown, it'll show AT&T gave him a lot of money too. Don't you think that's kind of ethical for journalism? Do you think it's ethical? Uh, another thing we talked about was the polling. As I've reported very much, uh, very consistently here at Status Coup, all of these polls, and this is how it works. A poll is released at like six in the morning, right? And it usually, it's been showing lately, Joe Biden's up by like 18, 20 points. None of the reporters actually read it, read the polls. They just read the headline and they pass it off. So then Morning Joe says, oh, Joe Biden is the front runner. He's up by 20 points. And then it's on and on and on and on every hour on the hour. And you get a narrative. Just like we got a narrative in 2016, Hillary Clinton's up by like 900 delegates because we lumped the superdelegates in with the pledge delegates. So I asked um, Fez Shakir, uh, what do you guys think? Because I've only heard Bernie speak out on the polling once. Uh, and well, basically he said what I've been reporting. I mean, all these polls are wildly, wildly oversampling older voters, 50 and above, and undersampling younger voters. And again, I always say this, it's not, it's no offense to older people because there are a lot of older, above 50 years old, uh, older than 50 people that like Bernie or Tulsi and are progressive. But by the data, the, the majority of older people in this country vote establishment. That's how Hillary Clinton got her votes. That's how Joe Biden is getting his votes. So I asked uh, Fez, you know, should this be pointed out? Uh, he agrees. He said, you're exactly right. Obviously, we know the senator's strength tends to come from younger voters, and those younger voters are often underrepresented in these landline-based polls. And if those polls are not doing a good job of trying to account for young people or figuring out different ways to reach them, then those, by our own estimation, should be deemed a bit suspect. But instead, what you often have happen is a lot of these landline-based polls that overrepresent older people are eaten up and propagated with a great deal of attention in the mainstream media without really anyone questioning some of these basic factors that you and I are discussing. Damn! I mean, I don't want to like, I don't want to uh, uh, edit anything he says, but I would call it a little bit, I would go a little further than a bit suspect because essentially they're kind of like cooking Okay, they're not cooking the data. I mean, these are real numbers, but they're getting the numbers that they want. Let's put it at that. When he says, by our own estimation, they should be deemed a bit suspect. I mean, they're giving you, they're, it's, you know, these polling uh, companies, they got money. I mean, they have ways to find more younger people to poll. One thing that impressed me about Fez, and again, this is, I'm going to write this as a written story a little bit later this week. So the bottom line is this. The bottom line is this. Talking to Fez, 
I think Bernie's campaign, uh, with their internal polling, I think it's a lot closer than the corporate media is letting on, and I think they know that. He also, I, I like something he said to me about making sure that the campaign knows it's a different dynamic than 2016. So let's not go about the Iowa caucus based on what happened in 2016. Let's not go about, go about the New Hampshire primary based on what happened in 2016. Same thing with South Carolina and the other ones. It's an entirely different uh, dynamic. You got a lot more different candidates. He also said some things to me that I can't repeat because they were off the record that I thought were very good. I don't want to, I don't want to tease you, but as a journalist, I gotta, I gotta honor that. So I'm not going to sh- share that. But he did say some things that I felt were very good, and I'll leave it at that. So I look forward to uh, writing that article and getting our whole conversation out there. Um, I will say I would like to see Bernie Sanders' campaign hit back harder against the corporate media. They're choosing not to. I think that's slightly a mistake. I think the only way you knock down propaganda is by hitting it in the, in the nose. Not literally, no violence, but hitting it on the, in the nose, figuratively. Um, and I hope, I hope they start calling out these polls more because, the, you know, it, it, it's, no, it's, not a, it's not that different than Trump. You know, Trump is repeat the lie, repeat the lie, repeat the lie, repeat the lie. Well, if the corporate media keeps pushing Joe Biden's up by 20, Joe Biden's up by 20, Joe Biden's up by 20, then people that don't actually pay attention say, oh, I should tune out. I'll just vote for Biden when my primary's up because, you know, he's going to win. So I hope they, they call out these polls a little bit more. And uh, I look forward to bringing you that interview, and I appreciate him talking to us. I think that's a good sign for status quo.